0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Eat Real to Heal podcast where I'm your host Nicolette Richet. And on today's show we have Marnie Wasserman here to share with you how she's able to manage her Hashimoto's and her thyroiditis all through diet and other stress shifting tools. Now, Marnie is an incredible human being who is giving back to the community through her Ultimate Health podcast, through the books that she's written. She's written two incredible books that everybody needs to get their hands on. One is called Plant-Based Diet for Dummies, and the other is Fermenting for Dummies. So if you don't know anything about the art of fermentation or what it means to change your lifestyle over to a plant-based diet to be able to manage your chronic illnesses, you need to get to Marnie Wasserman's website and look at all the beautiful tools and the resources that she has now marnie is a nutritionist and a chef i love that she's a chef because i've never been trained as a chef and even though we have all of our green mustache restaurants uh, i'm not someone who knows or really cares to pair flavors together for food or really cares about presentation because at the end of the day i care about eating nutrient dense plant-based whole foods For my health for the health of the planet for the health of animals and you know to protect the soil and so many reasons so i'm not a foodie but marnie is a foodie so if you are a foodie as well definitely get a hold of all the recipes that she shares with you on her website because you can prepare not only delicious nutritious meals but gorgeous looking meals as well and we all know that we also eat with our eyes now the other way that i mentioned that marnie is giving back to the world this incredible knowledge about plant-based plant-based living is through her podcast that she also hosts with her partner dr jesse Chapis. i hope i'm saying his name right and that's the ultimate health podcast so definitely listen to that because she's had incredible guests on her show now before we dive into this show with Marnie where she's gonna teach you so many tools and tricks for how to make this lifestyle shift. I also wanna share with you that if you have a chronic disease or cancer, or you're battling any type of illness where you have not been able to manage it, to reverse it, to treat it, or when the drugs and the surgery, um, the meds are not working, just know that there are alternative solutions. And when I say alternative, I don't mean wacky or wild solutions. I'm talking about real tried and tested solutions, solutions that have been put through the strict scientific medicine protocols that have been published in medical journals and those alternative um, modalities um, unfortunately haven't been reviewed and researched by the medical community so when i say review and research i mean that the medical doctors who go through medical training they simply just were not presented with the scientific data that's in the medical community that some scientists and researchers have access to but the medical students do not get access to because the curriculum is chosen and designed for them and it's based on a model of diagnosis and treatment, and often the treatment involves pharmaceutical medications and surgery. So, when I say alternative, it's important that we develop a new worldview and a new paradigm around what that means. So, it's just alternative to the existing tools that the medical system has right now. So, one of the ways that we do that is through food. Food has the power to reverse chronic disease because we're dealing with restoring the nutrient deficiencies in the body which then triggers the body to manage the environmental toxins uh, that build up in our body on a day-to-day basis so if you want to learn more about that definitely go to amazon or any bookstore and you can get a copy of our book that was published last year in october that has been a number one new release on Amazon. So get that book. It's $29 or $24 and it can change your life. We've had people who've read the book, who've had endometriosis, who've had fibromyalgia, who've had migraines, who've had all sorts of chronic degenerative diseases. And just by reading that one book and adopting the principles that we teach in that book, they've been able to reverse their symptoms of their chronic disease and eliminate the chronic pain, the fatigue, regain their energy, get off medications, be able to cancel surgery. So we have tons of healing hero stories. So learn about this, incorporate it into your family's life, into your life, and you will change your life for the better. In addition to chatting about the book uh, that's easy for you to access, also check out our new website, nicoletriche.com. So that's Nicolette Richer, and Richer is spelled R-I-C-H-E-R, like richer, as in richer health. And check out our website for all of the tools and resources that we provide as well. And on that, you'll be able to access all of our past podcast shows. You'll be able to learn about our upcoming upcoming corporate program that we're going to be delivering in the fall of 2019 we're so excited to launch that you can get connected to our retreats that we have at our nutrition and detox wellness center in pemberton british columbia and so much more but without further ado, I am so excited to mel- welcome Marnie Wasserman onto the show. So let's begin. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with others who need to know this life-saving information. Don't just keep it to yourselves. And also, let us know what you think. Chatting with you soon. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hi Marnie, thanks so much for being on our Eat Real to Heal podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, so today's podcast, and as you know, our Eat Real to Heal podcast, it's really about um, bringing people on the show that are, you know, amazing at taking health into their own hands. Um, often they've been diagnosed with a chronic condition, and as is the case for yourself. So I want to definitely jump into what it looked like to start having symptoms. Of Hashimoto's and thyroiditis and then um, how you started navigating the medical system as well to get diagnosed because I know it's not always easy being diagnosed with an illness and then how you ended up taking health into your own hands which is why we have you on the show
1: okay so so many angles to go there Well, the interesting thing was that I was already so immersed in the health world and I had been, I had been educating about it for so long before I was actually diagnosed. So it was a really interesting process to kind of have this healing crisis, quote unquote, while I was already kind of out there teaching about health. So I was vegetarian, teaching cooking classes, doing my thing for many years, feeling great because when I transitioned to being vegetarian, I thought that that was the ultimate way of eating and I felt so good on it but it took about seven years for things to kind of fall apart with my health, but I didn't equate it to my diet at first. So I started noticing some symptoms and my digestion was off. I was noticing a couple skin irritations, just things weren't flowing. My energy started to fluctuate. I was always feeling so vibrant and so healthy. And then all of a sudden I like, you know, midday and early in the morning I was feeling really tired. So I knew something had to be tweaked. And luckily I had been working with a naturopath, For many years so I had someone kind of guiding me along always checking in on my levels and seeing where things were at and he kind of kept hinting to me to take things a little bit further like let's really look at your thyroid let's really think about changing your diet maybe you want to include some animal protein and I kind of pushed it aside for quite a few years before I really started to notice
0: the symptoms kind of taking over so just to jump in there the natural path was saying let's include animal protein now was he going off of you know any diagnostic tools that you had done saying that your constitution or your genetics needed animal protein or was he just feeling or she just feeling? He was
1: feeling just, he was seeing undigested food particles in my body and in my blood. And he was seeing that I had been vegetarian for so many years that something had to change. He felt like he had the supplements down, he had me on the right protocol. So like, what else can we shift? It's gotta be your diet. So it was kind of his intuition. But it wasn't mine at the time. I was like, there's no way. I'm a very healthy vegetarian. I've got this diet thing down. I had written a book about it. Like I was making the case for eating this way. Okay, so I got to
0: jump in there as well. So I love how you said you're a very healthy vegetarian. And the reason I bring this up and I needed to stop you there is because I have so many clients who come to me and they say, oh, I eat so healthy. So whether they're vegan, plant-based, whole food, or you know, they eat meat or they eat whatever. And it's interesting because all of our appointments are done in my client's homes so that I can open up their cupboards and take a look and see, um, what foods that they're eating. So when, can you define what a healthy vegetarian is for people? Because we're in this world now where there's all these labels and I don't even use the word vegetarian or vegan anymore because you can drink whiskey and do heroin and eat potato chips and pasta every day and still be considered vegan. Um, And, you know, now we have vegan wine, so you can be a vegan wine alcoholic if you wanted to, um, you know, just because we have these labels. So if you can just help people understand what kind of vegetarian you were going into your illness.
1: For sure. So because I was teaching cooking classes and I have a background in nutrition, I was very versed on eating lots of vegetables. So that was the core of my diet. It was always very veggie based. It wasn't very grain or refined carbohydrate base, which a lot of vegetarians might (laughs) be doing. So I was eating a ton of veggies, good healthy fats. And my whole grains were typically coming from, if I was eating gluten-containing ones, which was in the early days, it was things like spelt and kamut. It was the ancient grains. And then as I started to transition over the years, it was the gluten-free ones like quinoa. An amaranth. Um, And then I was eating lots of root vegetables, uh, a little bit of tempeh, the odd bit of tofu, like soy, again, was not the base of my diet. So which, which can be a problem for a lot of vegetarians too, is eating way too much processed soy. So I was consuming tempeh, beans cooked from scratch.
0: So that, that's my definition. Okay. So that's, that's a really, (laughs) I would classify that as being a healthy vegetarian. So that's awesome. And would you say the ratio of your grains to your vegetables, were they like 50-50, 80-20? Where where were those?
1: Um, I would say my grains was,
0: it was always a portion of
1: my plate. So it was a smaller portion. So the vegetables always dominated. I would say three quarters of my plate was always root veg and green veg and colorful veg and then a small bit of the protein
0: and a small bit of grain. Okay. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, thanks for clarifying that for me, because I know that it's probably one of the questions we'd get back is, you know, well, what kind of vegetarian was she? Now the other part, just to jump in because I don't want to lose it, is the supplements. So when you, and going back to also some of the testing you had with your natural path as well. So with the supplements, um, were you taking like a whole schwack of them, a mix of herbs and other things, minerals, vitamins, or, you know, were they pretty specific at that time?
1: Um, so this is, yeah, pre-Hashimoto's. This is, this is just me being healthy and keeping in check with my body. So it was a lot of adrenal focused. Um, It wasn't thyroid focused at the time. So it was stress, adrenal, and yeah, just general multivitamin. But yeah, it was kind of a, a mixture. I can't even think back to that far, but I was always on a probiotic. I was always on some kind of, either omega supplement, whether it was, I don't think I was taking fish at the time. I was kind of anti any supplement that contained any animal product, um, and digestive enzymes, things
0: like that. So it was, okay. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So it's just, it's nice to paint the picture for people so they understand, cause you were doing some really good work there, right? Like to stay healthy and vibrant. And, um, and can I ask, were you taking B12 at the time?
1: I was, I was taking it in a sublingual form.
0: Okay. And yeah. And the reason I ask about that again, too, is that I don't know if you follow Dr. Terry Wall's work, Mm -hmm. who had multiple sclerosis. Yeah. And she attributed her decline in health to the fact that she hadn't taken B12 for 20 years while she was a vegetarian. And it's such an important nutrient for people to take. So yeah, just trying to, again, um, paint that picture. That's awesome. Okay. So let's continue because I want to hear this story. So here you are, your doctor says, "Um, you know what, we should introduce some animal protein. And then what did you do at that point?
1: So I take some time to let that marinate because I really couldn't fathom that my diet needed to be shifted at all. And then over the next year or so, I started digging a bit deeper on my own, on my health. So I started reading books. I was listening to guests on my podcast, The Ultimate Health Podcast, with people who had similar stories to me where they were sharing, they were vegan, vegetarian, raw, whatever it was for a number of years. And they had challenges with their health and some of the same symptoms that I was having. And then I started learning about thyroid health and learning about Hashimoto's. So I started connecting dots because for the longest time, I thought I just had a candida issue. (laughs) Like I was like, okay, my gut's off. I'm itchy. Like it's gotta be candida. But when I started really honing in and thinking about, you know, all the patterns and then Previous things that had happened in my life because with Hashimoto's and a lot of thyroid conditions, well, any autoimmune condition, it's so many variable factors that can lead to that. So I started connecting the dots and I had this requisition from my medical doctor at the time because I, I did check in with an MD every once in a while and especially for blood work. So I had this requisition that was sitting on my desk for many months and it had my thyroid panel but it had everything but the antibodies. And I had just learned and understood about antibodies. And this was two or three years ago. I knew about them, but I didn't really know, I didn't really pay attention to antibodies the way that I did at this point when I thought, okay, I gotta look at this deeper. So I called up my doctor and I said, I have this requisition from you know a year ago, I'm ready to go t- get it fulfilled, but can you please add my thyroid antibodies onto this and, and make it a full panel? And she said, no so I was really you know unsure I'm like why can't she do this for me I'm just making a request I've got to get this done and I really want to see where my thyroid's at and she died she denied me again so it was really interesting and at that time I had moved from Toronto where I was living to where I'm living now in Windsor so I wasn't In immediate contact with her but I had started to see a new naturopath I didn't have a new MD yet (laughs) that was to be determined later I had a new naturopath that was able to put those tests on that requisition for me which isn't the most legit way to do things but again I was fighting for my health I needed to find out these levels because I had an inkling that I had Hashimoto's based on what I was learning so she was able to do that. I went, got the blood work done, and there it was. My antibodies were high. And uh, and of course, the doctor got the results because she was still on there. So she called me up. She was like, I don't understand. <laughs> How did this happen? Anyways, that blew over. But I, I was very disappointed that you know she wasn't able to do that. And there it was in front of me finally a diagnosis and some answers to what was going on for me. And I was able to able to really start integrating all the things that I was already starting slowly. So between that time that naturopath had told me to change my diet and then slowly over time, I started to think about including eggs. I may have included fish by that point. So it was a very slow transition. When I got the diagnosis, I was like, everything I'm doing makes sense. Grains need to come out. The animal protein has to be upped. I need to keep the fats a priority and keep the veggies that I'm eating a priority. So it was just confirmation that I was on the right track and, and the eating of the whole foods that I was doing was going to start to help the process of healing.
0: Awesome. So the part that really stands out for me about that story is the fact that, so I'm curious what that doc, original doctor who said no to doing the antibodies test when she received the results. So did she just say, Hey, how did you get these tests done? Or was she actually really fascinated by the fact that your antibodies showed up high?
1: She was very, you know, holding her ground and saying, this was very, you know, inappropriate what you did. And I could have gotten in a lot of trouble. You could have gotten a lot of trouble. And then I kind of said to her, well, what do you have to say for the fact that what I said is true? I had an inkling that I was, you know, needing to check my antibodies because I thought they were high. And she had nothing to say to that. She was like, we could have just taken care of this with Synthroid and was kind of giving me, you know, her, her scripted answer. So I parted ways with her at that point.
0: I love that you fired your doctor because we teach our clients to do that all the time. We're like, you know what? If you have somebody who's not going to advocate for you and somebody who's not going to run the test for you, when you have that gut intuition, then you got to fire that person because they're not in the world to promote your health. And that's what doctors should be doing is health promotion. Um, We know that and they don't do that. And so I mean, I shouldn't say they don't do that. A lot of doctors, unfortunately, don't do that. And we just went through, um, actually two weeks ago, a very similar situation um, that affected our whole family, in fact. And um, we were in Africa in November and we actually contracted Belharzia, but we didn't know for the last six months until these parasites, which is the second deadliest parasite next to malaria. And um, in the hospital, the doctor kept saying, no, your daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, who has blood in her urine, kept saying, well, I think it's just a bladder infection. And I'm like, it's not a bladder infection. Like, I can tell you it's not a bladder infection. And so I said, you know, I know what the medical literature says. Um, and then the doctor said, like, are you a doctor or something? You know, like condescending, patronizing. And I was like, no, but I know how to read. And, um, and so, and more than just reading Google, like I actually read Google Scholar and anybody can do it. Google Scholar is free to everybody. And so when we went back the next day, I said, you have to run these tests. And they're like, well, no. And we don't even know what bulharzia is. I was like, so you don't want to run the test because you don't know what it and like, so then sure enough, run the test. We come back all positive. Um, you know, it was it was crazy, but the symptoms were getting really bad. Like my second daughter, her kidneys flared up. My first daughter or my youngest daughter has a mass on her bladder, which we don't know what it is, but we know hopefully it's connected to the Belharzia and it should resolve itself. Myself, I had been like so lethargic for the past like four months being like, I'm so tired and trying to like change my diet, go to bed early, do all of those, like be really proactive. And at the end of the day, we have this underlying parasite. Now I hate to think what would have happened. If you hadn't gone and done what you did, sure, it could have gotten people in trouble. But at the end of the day, it's your health. And so this is the kind of thing for the listeners out there. It's so important um, to fire your doctor if they're not going to do it for you. Or you have to go above and beyond and find a way to get the test results. And often I say to clients, like instead of, you know, maybe what you did, Marnie, you know, isn't going to be right for everybody. But you can also go, if you can afford it, go and pay for your test as well. Right. So that's another thing that people can do. So I love that you are like this renegade that did that because you wouldn't have the answers that you do. So with that, so here you, so here you are, you have a diagnosis now, you're on the right path with regards to diet and um, how's your Hashimoto's been and thyroiditis been since that point? So that
1: was 2000, I want to say 17 that I got that diagnosis, so it's been two years. And the antibodies have come down significantly, and that has been through a protocol of working with a functional medicine team and tackling the gut and going through all the layers, finding out about parasites and other pathogens that I may have acquired from places I've traveled or whatnot, really doing a deep dive on all kinds of testing, actually they did. The GI map test, the Dutch test, So can you
0: explain what the GI test and the Dutch test are for our listeners just so they know, because I'm sure they're going to be curious.
1: Yeah. The GI map test is one of the most um, detailed and kind of comprehensive gut health tests that's out there. And I've started to do a little bit more learning on this again, from talking to a lot of our guests and all the different gut tests that are out there. GI maps keeps coming up as the one that's really thorough. Again, there could be something else out there that I don't know about. So you essentially poop. (laughs) send it off and they just do do an analysis of anything that could be still harboring in your body from parasites to bacteria to candida to blood sugar problems. Like it can really track and trace so many things. The Dutch test is a urine test to look at your hormones. So that looks at your progesterone, your estrogen, your testosterone, and seeing the levels and, and how they work with, you know, what's going on with your body. The organic acid test is... I believe a urine test as well, um, and you have to take a supplement uh, beforehand to help excrete out it. You kind of almost I think you extract things out of your organs in order to get it into your urine so that it can test again different organic acids in your body. I, I can't remember the details of that one too well, but again, it's just another analysis of what's going on and what's maybe going wrong in your body. So it's very detailed overlook from a testing perspective and of course they look at things subjectively too like how are you feeling and what's going on? So they really, it's a functional medicine team. So they really kind of covered everything and they wanted to work on the gut first and my inflammation. So because Hashimoto's is not just a thyroid condition, it's an autoimmune condition. It was really important to tackle the inflammation first. So over the last two years, I've noticed a big difference in the inflammation coming down. I recently just got my blood work done. I get it done every couple of months anyways but my recent one showed my lowest antibodies ever which is great um, they kind of come from the high hundreds down into the, the lower range they're well below 30 like they're, they're very low which is great but my thyroid hormones are still needing to be balanced a little bit so still working on the hypothyroid aspect of it mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's kind of this, you know, kind of goes in ebbs and flows, of course, depending on what's going on, stress, lifestyle, diet. Um, but I've really made some major shifts over the years, including diet, including my lifestyle, um, meditation, stress reduction, all that stuff. So I think it's all kind of been a big part of the puzzle. So I can't say I'm on the full other side of it, but I can say that I've made some huge leaps and some huge um, upward swings in the right direction.
0: Amazing. Um, and, and we're going to talk about a few things there, like the gut inflammation. And then I definitely want to dive into um, the stress management and the meditation too and get into that. Um, one question I have for you is Did you ever take iodine at all as part of your supplement protocol?
1: I wasn't. So I know that iodine was probably part of a lot of supplements that I was taking early on, but I was never on an iodine only supplement. There's okay. a lot of controversy with iodine and, and Hashimoto's.
0: Yeah. So it's an interesting one with iodine. The thing that, um, and we can chat about this after the show too. So when I work with my clients that have Hashimoto's, I mean, one of the things, the tests that they get, and in fact, most of my clients don't even bother getting the test now because 95% of the population is deficient in iodine. And when treating the thyroid, it's really important to look at iodine supplementation. We use a 2% solution of Lugol's and on the therapy I teach, we actually take 18 drops a day of it, um, which to any regular person might seem like Astounding because the bottle says take one drop daily, but you have to use it therapeutically to be able to rebuild the thyroid, which is why I've had clients before with thyroiditis and Hashimoto's and tons of thyroid um, diseases, even to the point where they've needed to um, have their thyroid taken out and have radiation um, and and it's been amazing. So it's something we can definitely chat about afterwards. But for our listeners out there, if you want to get an iodine saturation test, you get you buy the kit online and it comes from a medical doctor. Um, we can put the link in the show notes. And then what you do is you urinate into this big orange plastic bottle for 24 hours. Um, in the morning before you start, you have to take iodine pills. And what they want to see is if you're excreting any iodine in your urine. If you're not, then what it means is that your body's taking it up and it absolutely needs it. If you excrete it, it can mean two things. It can mean your body's highly toxic with bromine, fluorine, and chlorine, and so they're sitting in the receptor sites of the iodine doing damage and they're not making room for the iodine, or it can mean you are saturated in iodine and you're fine. But 95% of people who get that test, test um, deficient in iodine. And that was a hundred years ago that Dr. Max Gerson, I teach the Gerson therapy, um, realized the definite need for iodine for the reversal of cancer and all types of chronic diseases. But um, yeah, Marnie, if you want to chat about that afterwards, we can definitely do that. So the second thing I want to know, and from the gut inflammation side, and, um, and as well as Dr. Zach Bush talks about this a lot, that when we have leaky gut, or it's actually tight gap junctions that are loose now, and they're letting um, particles and proteins through into the bloodstream, um, were you eating organic food? I was. You were eating all organic food at this time. Okay, so I just needed to clarify that because I know Dr. Zackler said that when he gets people onto a whole foods plant-based diet, 30% of them will do worse, 30% of them will stay the same and 30% of them will get better. But once he switched all of his patients' food over to organic, then he saw the majority of people healing.
1: Yeah, it's always yeah. been part of my standard of eating. Every cooking class that I taught was organic produce, as close to you know <laughs> as, much as possible maybe one zucchini if i couldn't get any you know it was called for in a recipe, but hundred percent I've always adhered to that it's it's one of my values
0: so amazing yes. amazing um, and are your values around organic is that health related planetary is it the whole shebang
1: yeah it's just it, my whole evolution into health and wellness has just been out of a love for eating well and always making a better choice. So it's kind of gone from like the fitness realm of like um, where I was eating low calorie and high protein and thinking that was healthy to, you know, adopting more organic um, eating to the end green free. Like it's just been this beautiful quote unquote organic evolution over the years. So it's a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And I love that point you just made too, because a lot of people, they're like, how am I going to learn all of this? And you have to know that it takes time. It is an evolution. It's like you watch one documentary, you read one book, you hear one podcast, like your amazing podcast, for example, Marnie. And you know you get a little bit of information and then you try something. And then the more you learn, you realize there's so much more to learn. And then you try more things and more things until you settle on something that really works for you. And the other thing is we're aging. So what works for us when we're 20 is different when we're 30 and different when we're 40 and so on and so on. So um, yeah, it definitely is an evolution for sure. Now with the gut um, health, how's your gut health now? Like, is it something you feel or is it something that just really shows up in the test results?
1: Yeah, it's both. I think that my digestion has really changed over the years, uh, especially when I took out grains there was an immediate relief of symptoms, gas, bloating. Like I had no idea. I thought, you know, it wasn't bad. I didn't think it was bad. But when you go from a little bit to nothing, you're like, wow. So taking out the grains really changed the game for my lover gut and how I was feeling day to day. Um, And then in terms of digestion overall, luckily I've always been regular. So that hasn't changed. Still regular. But I've noticed that I have – we're going to get detailed here. Yeah, let's
0: do it. Let's talk poop
1: more, um, less undigested food in, in my poop. So it's a lot cleaner and a lot more full and really just healthy. So I can feel that difference too. That's
0: awesome. awesome. And it's so important for people to talk about their bowel movements, to talk about their urine, to talk about all of these things, because you know, what goes in is, you know, one part, but what comes out is just as important as what goes in, would you say? For sure. For sure. So, we have to get comfortable talking about this. So, one of our students in our nutrition and detox program, she, when she first started the program, she's like, "Uh, My supplements came out whole, like fully whole, undigested. Body couldn't even break it down. And then a few weeks later, now her body's breaking down like absolutely everything. She's not seeing potato skins in her. in her you know, bowel movements and um, in her stool. So anyway, people, you gotta get comfortable talking about that stuff. If you're at my house for dinner, you can guarantee poop will come up at the table, at least one, not that we're serving it, but it'll come up in our conversation. Um, my kids are super comfortable with it too. So um, with your inflammatory markers, um, you're getting the inflammation. It's not just you saying, I feel inflamed. It's actually diagnostic results showing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, when it was first showing up, I would say I was feeling that. I was kind of feeling hot under my skin. I was feeling puffy. I had itchy patches. So there were, you know, actual signs and symptoms show me that. And then with my antibodies being so high, that made sense. And then also with my digestion being off, like there's all kinds of things pointing to that to show that, you know, things are in kind of a an inflamed and not balanced place so now I find that there has been a decrease in those symptoms for sure overall from my body to my gut to my skin a lot of things have changed so and again taking things like turmeric and all the supplements I've been taking over the years my diet being highly anti-inflammatory and then living an anti-inflammatory living an anti-inflammatory lifestyle has really helped that
0: Awesome. So before we jump in, I want you to describe what an anti-inflammatory lifestyle looks like, but before we get into you, can you, um, you're, you're paleo now, correct? Yeah. If we're going to give it a
1: word, it's paleo.
0: Yeah, of (laughs) course. So, yes. (laughs) Okay. So awesome. So, and I just want to understand more because I think when paleo first came out, um, as being a concept and a term, even though people say it's been around forever, which we kind of now know that it's that science is a little bit off, but with, um, so now there's been different versions of paleo, just like there's different versions of ketogenic. So can you describe what your diet looks like now?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, the grains are out, which means I have made root vegetables more of a priority, even though they were already in there, but things like sweet potatoes, squash, especially in season, Uh, carrots, beets, all that, and then upping my green veggies even more. Like, I was already having big salads and lots of sides. Like, now it's just even bigger and even more because it's just filling up that spot on the plate. Um, The animal protein varies from things like wild salmon, organic chicken, typically dark meat now, which at one point I didn't think I would ever consume dark meat. I was all about the chicken breast until I learned better and learned about the difference between, you know, dark meat and light meat. Um, Red meat, came in in that gradual transition as I was going from eggs to fish to chicken to red meat but the interesting thing about red meat for me was that I hadn't had it since I was 13 years old so I tested the waters of vegetarianism early on for a couple of years and red meat had come out at that point so the conversation with myself to bring red meat back in was a tough one but now it is part of my diet a very small part a couple times a month if that but okay. uh, yeah, I just, I don't crave it that often, but now it's like this, this like supplement to my diet. Like I know I'm getting this good quality nutrition and now that we've learned how to cook it properly and have some fun with it, or if someone else is making it, I tend to like it a lot better, especially with red meat. Um, it, it, that's part of the diet as well. And then lots of fat. So avocado, coconut, uh, yeah. olive oil, avocado oil, um, what else, nuts and seeds. So lots of different good, healthy fats, nut butters. I love as well. Fruit. I do have fruit berries, a little bit of banana. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my diet. I don't consume dairy except for the odd time. I'll have a little bit of sheep, um, buffalo or goat once in a dairy. while.
0: Okay.
1: Dairy, Yeah. It's through kefir or through a cheese or whatever it is. But I'd say that's again, a couple times a month. If that, um, so that's, yeah, that's where dairy comes in and that's about, and chocolate. Lots of chocolate. That's a food category to me. So <laughs> I love
0: that. Um, so I think that's really fascinating because we normally, a lot of our clients, um, they often got off the meat and turned to food, um, plant-based whole food. And then that's where their healing came in. And it's interesting from your angle is that you introduce the meat back in. But also what I think is really important to note is that you touched on the fact that um, is it every day or, you know, like you said, the red meat is like one, like a couple times a month.
1: So the red meat is the one that's the most sparse and then otherwise animal protein is every day so one meal a day whether it's lunch or dinner so i try and do one animal based meal sometimes a plant-based meal and the odd time lunch might be eggs and then dinner might be chicken
0: okay
1: yeah it's interesting because when i first started it was very kind of gradual but now without that if i don't have that then i I, because i'm not eating beans that often i'd say beans once in a while Mm -hmm. so it's like, where's my sustenance going to come from? And yes, I can have a meal for sure. It's so funny. Cause again, that's the way I used to eat of just, you know, sweet potatoes and greens and throw some seeds on top. But my body's now adapted to where I want a little bit more. Like I want to have that bit of protein. I feel a bit more grounded, more satiated. My brain feels better. So now I need a little bit of that and it doesn't have to be a lot. It's just a small portion, but it is part of most of my meals now.
0: Yeah, I think that's, and I think that's so fascinating with the Gerson therapy that I teach. I mean, Dr. Max Gerson, German Jewish doctor um, out of Germany a hundred years ago, designed the therapy to reverse um, chronic disease and cancer. And while people were in that stage, so one to two year stage of reversing their chronic disease, they wouldn't have that. But then what he said is, you know, if you're going to introduce animal based protein back in, he like, he wasn't against it. Like he saw the benefit of some of it. And it had to be clean. Like his number one priority was it had to be organic. It couldn't be medicated. It needed to come from a place that had tons of nutrients. So the, the, the animals are, you know, free range, but true free range, right? And they're eating good quality, um, you know, grass and good quality um, everything. And then, but it was to treat it as garnish on the plate. So where our society has gotten to, we now have the meat is the staple or the dairy is the staple and then followed by grains or the staple. And then you only have a tiny little bit of vegetables, like maybe three baby carrots and a sprig of asparagus, right? And so when you switch it the other way where it's like 80 to 90%, um, you know, even 95% um, whole food plant-based and then you add in a little bit of this extra if your body really needs it, then that was a way to stay and remain healthy. So a lot of people will look at um, the Gerson recipe book that they just put out last year and be like, hey, how come there's, you know, Yogurt or the like there 's a few animal based products and that 's the reason why it 's because he understood that then once you 're healed there 's a variety in diet for everybody. you know somebody might do better without beans, and so then you substitute that protein base with something else um, okay that 's amazing so i 'm glad that you clarified what that is, and also for people to understand that. Um, paleo, like if you're just coming across what paleo is today and you're thinking that it means you have a big steak and you cook it in oil and then you, you know, maybe have a couple vegetables on the side and then that's it. Like there's a healthier way to do it. That's going to benefit your body. And I like how, and Marnie's, um, you know, really described this, this healthy way of paleo, which I think is so important because there's so many variations of it, depending on who you talk to. For sure. Yeah. So. Um, moving on, I want to also, what, when you talked about cooking meat and you said there was a way to cook it, can you just describe what that was? Um, you had mentioned that there's like a better way of preparing it.
1: Oh, or was it talking about with, um, dark meat maybe? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, as I started learning about animal protein and the better qualities of it, Um, I had this thing for any kind of ground meat or dark meat, thinking it was dirty, gross. That was just my own hang up on it. Thinking, again, the old mentality, chicken breast is clean. It's lean. It's good. It's easy to cook. So it took me some time to wrap my head around that. So when I started bringing chicken back in, it was only breast. You couldn't get me to anything else. So as people like Terry Walls, who was on the podcast and other people who've taught me about you know, the quality animal protein, and even going as far as the organ meats, which I haven't been ready for yet, I can appreciate them. I just haven't gotten my head around consuming them yet, but going kind of deeper with, with those meats and going darker is that's where you're getting a lot of the nutrients, the muscle meats just don't have it. Mm -hmm. So again, when I, my whole reason for eating meat is not out of, I broke down, wasn't out of a craving. It wasn't out of like giving in or giving up. It was out of looking at this as a lost nutrient that my body wasn't getting. So I'm not just eating chicken breast for fun. I'm like, if I'm gonna eat meat, it's gonna be you know, the most nutrient dense form of it that I can get. So there was a learning to that. And as I started to do that, I acquired the taste and I realized, wow, dark meat does taste so much better. A chicken thigh is so much tastier. So, and again, because it's richer, I also don't eat as much. Like with chicken breast, it's often like a really big piece. With like chicken thighs, you can have like two of them and they're just so dense and filled yeah. with, so yeah. And then in terms of cooking methods, like I, I bake, I saute, um, we do grill a little bit here and there. It does taste really good on the grill, although I don't like to grill too much, but it is delicious. Um, so multiple ways that, that I will prepare it and red meat, I do have a tougher time preparing. I don't know. There's something about cooking it at home and not really actually wanting to eat it when it's ready. So I do prefer other people making it for me.
0: Awesome, awesome. And for someone who is vegan and you know they're either environmentally vegan or ethically or healthily vegan, um, did you come across any um, alternatives for them? For we get asked all the time. Um, one of the things that on the Gerson therapy as well, the supplements. Mm-hmm. It's not a vegan protocol because of the fact that you do take liver. And when you talk about eating organ meats, I mean, it's actually given to you in a supplement form because it's really hard to find good, clean organ meats um, and then to get have your hands on them. And so it, it has to come from that. And same thing with the thyroid as well. It is um, animal-based, it's bovine and porcine um, and so, same with the pancreatin. And so people have to know that And there's no alternative that we know of, unfortunately, um, because the fact that it is so nutrient dense. And if anybody is going to label me, then you're going to label me as a nutritarian. So it's about, if you want to heal, you got to get the nutrients in there. And unfortunately, right now, until there's an alternative, which I don't know if there is, because truly organ meats have been eaten for thousands and thousands of years, like they're the most prized part of the animal in any culture, even cultures that don't eat very much meat. Um, That is the case. And so what are the alternatives that you've come across? And I'm sure you get asked this from, from other people who have Hashimoto's or thyroiditis.
1: Yeah. Well, just a comment on the liver pills. That's the form of liver that I have been taking. There is some liver caps that my husband and I do get once in a while. So I know at least I'm getting that in alternatives. Yeah. A tough one. You know, if someone's vegan and they're not willing to have any kind of animal protein, that's really tough. You really have to, you know, see where you can get the supplements and the nutrient dense foods from your diet, from fats and other quality proteins, which is hard because I don't recommend a lot of soy. But if someone's vegetarian and willing to have a little bit of animal protein, um, I say if you can for sure get your eggs or egg yolks in, or if you're willing, and I know this is a tough one because if you're vegetarian, you're choosing just to just eat eggs and not meat. But if you're willing and open and, and looking again from the perspective that I'm in right now to get more nutrients in your body, but you're not committed to eating flesh yet, I recommend bone broth and collagen mm-hmm. as almost a form of supplementation to get those nutrients in because- at least you can get some of that nutrient dense protein and amino acids and all the other beautiful things that come from that collagen, um, in those forms. And that way you don't even have to worry about it. So it depends if they can get their head around that, you know, if they can mix collagen in something like, like a matcha latte or, um, or a smoothie and put in their, I use plant-based protein still too. Like I'll use a pea protein with coconut and hemp. So there's a few plant-based proteins that are still a big part of my diet, but I also put the collagen in. And then bone broth, which it took me a long time to get my head around. The thought of it made me sick. And like, I couldn't even think about it. And I couldn't make it at home for a couple of years. I had to get someone else to make it or buy it from somewhere. So now, again, it's a beautiful supplement that I include in my diet most days of the week. And now I make, you know, my own regularly. So
0: Awesome, awesome, thanks for sharing that because I know that um, there's definitely going to be people who have questions around that um as well so you and your partner are both uh, do you both eat the same? Are you on the same program?
1: We do eat the same yeah when i we first met, he was vegetarian as well, and that was his choice, but he also knew that that 's what I was looking for in a partner, so he um You know, kept that (laughs) a priority for him at the time. And then over the years, we kind of transitioned together as I was starting to think about changing my diet. He was already ready. So we do eat the same, and I do do most of the cooking. So (laughs) it kind of comes with the territory.
0: Yeah, awesome. It's always so helpful to have um, both. Partners involved and on the same page. I know a lot of my clients. There's one who's ready, another one who isn't, and so there's often battles that go on. And you know, usually what I say to people, I'm like, "Hey, you know what? Just try it for your partner. Like, just give it a go for three, four weeks, and see how you like it." And in fact, that just happened to one of my students. Her husband was like, "Fine, I'll eat it." And at the end, he was eating all this food. And he's like, you know, I have lots more energy. I feel really great. I don't have the slump. He, and he's like, but you know what? I'm, I don't, I'm not ready to give up like that super tasty, you know, food that I've grown up with. And so, and which is fine. And so my advice is usually just like, do it for yourself and eat, make the food, cook it. Um, if you're the only one cooking, then too bad for your partner. They're going to be eating it. Don't go and make a second meal because at the end of the day, what you're doing, is ultimately healthy. And if it's healthy for you, then it's healthy for the entire family. Um, so you don't have to be making separate meals. Would you agree?
1: I totally agree. Even for kids too. And I don't, I don't have any yet, but I've got intentions of how I want to raise them myself and, and things that I want to do that I've seen through my cooking classes over the years and friends of mine and different partners, um, that I've worked with and seeing just how they've raised their kids. So, So me it's like if you're the primary cook and you've got the knowledge to put together a good meal then hopefully everyone's on board and hopefully you can start them young and and you know lead by example
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's a great thing. I mean, with having kids, parents always ask me like, how do I feed my kids this? And I'm like, at first, if they've grown up eating, you know, salty, oily, um, sugary food, then, you know, it's going to be tough at the beginning because you're really changing, not just their palate, but their brain, like their brain is literally addicted to those things. So how do you break an addiction? Well, it's like a, you know, 12 step program and it's 28 days of rehab. And so for 28 days, you keep putting that food on the table and they're going to eventually come and eat it because most people, unless they have like a really severe mental health issue, they're not going to starve themselves. Right. Um, and so those kids will eventually come around and start eating it and they'll be like, mm, broccoli. And then all of a sudden they're fighting for broccoli on the table. So, you know, just keep putting it out there and, um, and you're eventually going to win with those competing foods for sure for Sure, awesome. And your husband's a doctor, is that correct?
1: Yeah, he's a former chiropractor, he doesn't practice anymore. Oh, doesn't. We're, yeah, we're full time in the podcast, but yes, he's a farmer Cairo. Um, so yeah,
0: oh, awesome, that's amazing. And, um, as a Cairo, it's interesting, my husband's uh, sister is a chiropractor as well, and I have an amazing chiropractor in Vancouver. And, um, and I was just saying to him the other day, I'm like, oh, I feel like I always come to see you, and he's like, Are you kidding me? And so in 22 years, I've seen him 13 times and which is like nothing, but he's so great at being able to align my skeleton to, um, you know, allow that full body communication to happen. And so, I mean, it's so wonderful. He's not the chiropractor type of chiropractor where he's like, you know, come back three times a week for the next 10 years. Um, so, but I love chiropractic care, but I love what he said as well. And even what my husband's sister said is that when you eat this way. When you have an anti-inflammatory diet, um, they're like, don't tell too many people about this because we'd be out of work, Yeah, right? And I think a lot of practitioners would actually just be out of work if everybody was leading this beautiful anti-inflammatory nutrient-dense lifestyle. So
1: true. Yeah. It's all a whole package.
0: It is the whole package. Um, And with chiropractic care, because I just want to touch on that because we build, we teach our clients how to build out a whole health team, which means you have a team of people that, you know, represent all the different modalities of healing. So you'd have a gynecologist and an endocrinologist, but you'd also have an RMT and a chiropractor and a physio, and you need to know when to go to see these people. Um, And you probably, because you are married to a chiropractor, can you please just help, you know, our listeners understand what chiropractic care is? Because believe it or not, I have many clients who people have told them, go see a chiropractor for like 20 years, and they're too afraid to do it because of the misconceptions around chiropractic care. So if you can just touch on that, that would be great.
1: And I should start with that there are a lot of different kinds of chiropractors. A chiropractor is not a chiropractor is not a chiropractor. Um, and Jess would be the first one to tell you that, and which is part of why he left the industry too, is because there are so many practicing in a way that he just couldn't align with, no pun intended. So he- was more the holistic type that could sit down with someone for a half an hour, not five minutes, which again, a lot of people do and really find out what's going on with them and their body and not just crack them, but do some deep muscle work and active release um, in in different pressure points. So he really worked with the person and really helped uh, the whole body system. But they were part of the experience. So like with active release, you're pushing on a point and they're raising their arm and doing it. So he, like, they could be guided through it where sometimes some chiropractors will just, you're talking to them. Then all of a sudden they're like, just grab you and like, crack. <laughs> and you don't even know what just happened. So th- there is so many different types who practice it. And, you know, I've learned a lot about chiropractic just through him and just seeing, you know, through his eyes, like what he experienced so depending on what's going on with the body you know some chiropractors believe that a chiropractor can fix everything like if you've got any kind of inflammation going on or digestion or whatever because of your, your spine and your nervous system's connected to everything that one adjustment will fix everything which could be true again i again i can't comment too much on this but from jesse's philosophy you know he, he thinks kind of what we're talking about here there's so many things that go into it and if you're eating the right way and living the right way. And yeah, you still have pain because maybe you had an injury or you're sleeping the wrong way. A chiropractor can be a helpful tool to help ease that relief and lower the inflammation in a targeted spot. So it really, it really depends on who you go and see, I think.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And and I love that you touch on that because of the fact that it's exactly the same way for every single person in every profession. You can hire an electrician and they're the worst electrician on the planet. And you can hire another one who's the best electrician. You know, one can burn your house down and one can, you know, keep you energy efficient with low energy bills for the rest of your life. Like it really just depends on who you go see. So I think we're often too quick to judge um, instead of realizing that just like you fired your doctor, Marnie, um, you know, you can fire your any healthcare practitioner until you find one that actually works. But people are so quick to write like the entire profession off as though every single person was trained in the same place and everybody just has one universal brain that they're thinking from. Whereas, you know, if you have somebody like Jesse, you know, who thinks critically and like you mentioned, looks at the body from a whole body perspective, then life is golden. Then you're going to have somebody who's probably like on your team. Um, And that's the same way as a nutritionist. I mean, a lot of nutritionists out there are just like, stay away from dairy, stay away from meat and take these supplements. And I'm like, really, is it digestive enzymes for everyone is going to heal everybody or should we look at things, uh, you know, a little bit more holistically as well. So yeah, that's a really good point that you made. Um, so let's talk about your podcast. Sure. Yeah. So what made you want to start your podcast? I'm so curious.
1: So I I give the credit to Jesse. It was him who wanted to start it. So we started dating, um, when I opened up my food studio, so I was teaching for six years in my parents' home cooking classes and I opened up my own physical location, a brick and mortar location. And that was in 2013, 14.
0: Um, was that in Toronto?
1: That was in Toronto. That was okay. In Toronto. So Jesse and I started. us about eating. what that was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was an interesting transition because I went from paying no overhead and having, you know, this business that started very organically to figuring out what it takes to open up a physical business and paying all the bills and the logistics. And I had to build it out. It was a lot of work, but I was committed and I had already a growing audience and it was the next logical step for where I was or so I thought. Um, and it was, it was great and it was amazing for four and a half years until the podcast was growing. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll backtrack to that, but the podcast was growing and I saw the potential of a different kind of life. So a year into opening up the food studio, um, Jesse was like, we've got to start a podcast. I know this medium really well. And this was, again, in 2014, long, you know, way before it was where it's at now. So he had loved the medium. He actually had a podcast before, um, which he had completed and and closed down, but he wanted to get something back up again. He's like, you know, you've got your knowledge, I've got my knowledge, we can do this together. And I kind of poo-pooed the idea. I'm like, well, I don't know much about it and I don't know if I have time for this, but you know what, let's give it a shot. Let's see what it's like. So we started very organically, you know, doing them together and interviewing different guests. We did some of our own shows. And over the years it started to gain momentum and started to um, give us an income as we got sponsorships and we didn't realize it was going to become a full-time gig i don't think he saw himself necessarily getting out of chiropractic i never i didn't see myself closing down my food studio Um, so it just kind of slowly started to build organically and grow really rapidly and we started to evaluate what our goals were and what we wanted to do with our life and how we wanted to live and did i need to be committed to um, a physical location and not only that after 10 years of teaching I was developing other passions and at that time my health also started to break down and I changed my diet so there was a lot of shifts that kind of all happened at the right time I could no longer teach plant-based cooking classes if I had continued as it was anyways it would have had to change to Marnie's paleo cooking school so it was all very uh synchronistic or serendipitous however you want to put it so the timing was right and we decided to just put all our eggs in the podcast basket and over the last couple of years and we've been now living in Windsor two years where i'm now in it full-time jesse's been in it full-time for about three years and this is our baby. So it's called the Ultimate Health Podcast. And it covers a lot of topics under the umbrella of health, from mindset to fitness to nutrition to goal setting to yoga, meditation, all of that. And we we do interview quite a few different guests. And we just have this awesome conversation about health and wellness. And we really leave our listeners with the opportunity to take away what's going to work for them because we do not have an angle of, of what we're trying to promote. Although when we started the podcast, we were vegetarian. So we were interviewing a lot of people in the plant-based space. And now over the years, we of course interview people in every sphere, keto, paleo, whatever it is. So we allow the listener to really kind of find their own way and come up with their own decisions about where they want to take their health. And it's, it's been really fun.
0: That is awesome, and a couple questions about that. So, um, the podcast. So, who's been one of your? Ulti- I mean, it's. I love all of our guests, but which is one of the most outstanding podcasts for you on your show?
1: Uh, someone who I've loved having on—we've had her on three times—is Sarah Wilson, who was behind the whole "I Quit Sugar." business before it's she's no longer part of that she's kind of delved into anxiety delved into zero waste she's by far one of our favorite guests she's amazing she's from australia not only does she have an amazing accent but her conversations with us are always so real so down to earth so she's been amazing we just had sarah gottfried on the show unbelievable female dr you know, comprehensive functional medicine doctor, who's amazing. And I always love our conversations with her as well. So lots of lots of great conversations that it's hard to pinpoint which ones I like best, but
0: I love yeah, it. no, it's hard. I mean, I find—I mean, it's just as much. I love doing these to share stories with others and to introduce people to different concepts. But I mean, as you probably know, as a podcaster, you get so much out of it as well. Um, Yeah, it's so exciting. It's hard to say who's your favorite because I love them all. I end every show being like, "Oh my god, that was amazing! I love that person." Yeah, um, yeah. no, I think that's awesome. And then tell me about how you choose your sponsors, then, because. You have a very holistic health um, mentality when it comes to your living. So it's not just food, it's mental health. It's the meditation and the stress management, which we're going to dive into. But how do you choose your sponsors as well? Do you have any criteria for that? Um, How do you make the decisions around that?
1: Yeah, so it's been something that's kind of developed over the years. It started with companies that we were using already. I was working with a a plant-based protein company called Sun Warrior for many years with my business. So they were kind of a nice logical first sponsor for us. Um, So anything that we're using that we can stand behind that we're going to pull out of our cupboards and, you know, be very comfortable promoting is Someone who would fall within our parameters. We've said no to a lot of companies over the years. It doesn't matter what the price tag is, we will not compromise that. Even though this is our income, we do not uh, we do not sacrifice our integrity for that. So that's been really important to us. So a lot of our companies are um, in the supplement, natural supplement sphere, and we've started to now get some more lifestyle brands too, like organic mattress and. Um, and clothing, things like that, that we're really interested in. So all things that kind of would fit within our lifestyle. And it's been really nice. And we're very committed to working very closely with these companies too. And not just, you know, have this distant relationship where it's just a transaction.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. That really uh, speaks very much to your integrity. And it really also just shows how that shines through Um, because there's certain podcasts where I've listened to and I'm like, why are you, promoting tuxedos and it's a health and wellness company and I don't quite understand you know the link Whereas somebody like Ritual for example I mean he's very much the same there's integrity there and who he chooses to promote and you know he has that close relationship as well so I do love that about you I just wanted to to clarify I usually always tap the fast forward button through a lot of this advertising but at the same time too sometimes I learn about these amazing products that I would never have known about
1: yeah we try and keep it like to things that we're actually doing and up to. So we try and make each ad unique and different. We, I don't think we've ever only once when we traveled to Bali for a honeymoon, did we repeat some ads, Um, but otherwise we don't do that. We don't have them on, you know, an automatic play. We give a new one to our editor every single week. So we try and keep it fresh so that people do want to hear how did Marnie use the collagen creamer this week? Or, you know, what did she do with, with the four sigmatic reishi mushroom. So I I try and make sure that I I provide value in every show.
0: Awesome. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Thank you for doing that. Um, It's much nicer for the listener as well when you do that. So Let's jump into. uh, We talked a lot about food, which I love. Let's talk about the rest of the lifestyle aspects of your world. Um, And, you know, I know you mentioned meditation, you mentioned stress management, or I don't know if you call it something else, but yeah, touch on those so people understand that, you know, what tips that they can have in all of these different areas.
1: For sure. So, first and foremost, making a lifestyle change that was more conducive to all of these things was the first step and necessary step. So when I was able to close in my business and move outside of Toronto, uh, we were talking about like an inflammatory lifestyle before. And those were the things that were causing it for me. We were living in a, on a busy city block, there was sirens, there was noise, there was people, there was construction, all of that was wearing and tearing at my body and my health. So first step was moving outside of that environment to something that was a little bit quieter more spacious and conducive to healing and health where I could put time into meditate and go for walks and go and see different practitioners that could help balance my body whether it was reflexology, reiki, massage. So those are all things that are part of my routine now and and meditation is part of it as well too. It's not a, I'm not Um, for lack of a better word, anal about it, that I have to do it every day for a certain amount of time. I just kind of go with the flow. As I'm feeling it, what I feel like doing, do I feel like guided today? Do I feel like just breathing? Do I want to just tap into, you know, my nose and my breath? I I just let it be organic. That's kind of the phase I'm in right now. So that's been a big part of it because I find that breath work is huge at reducing not only stress, but inflammation. It can really just let the body just... Let go of all this tension and everything that we're holding in.
0: Yeah, that's uh, as you said, the word breath work. I just took like this deep inhale and exhale and realized I don't think I've taken a full deep breath today. Um, I usually try and wake up in the morning and. Um, My kids often think that I'm being lazy, laying in bed, but I'm actually planning my day. I'm taking some time to meditate. I'm doing some deep breathing. I'm often in a sideways twist in my bed. I have three kids, so like life is pretty crazy. So, you know, I don't have this Zen place where I can just go off of myself. So sometimes you just have to like smack it in there um, in the middle of your day or whenever you can and with kids crawling all around you. But I love the inflammatory lifestyle term, by the way. That's a gorgeous term. Because so many people just think about an inflammatory diet and it's much more than that. So considering where you live is just as important as considering what you put in your mouth. So with the breath work, any particular breath work um, specifically that you love doing or that people could search and look up or there's a lot of people, I mean, again, when you mention breath work to them, it's like mentioning a chiropractor and they're like, I don't do that. (laughs) And I'm like, really? Let's give it a try.
1: Well, again, you know, with, with having a podcast, you're introduced to like something new all the time. So as soon as I think like I've got something I'm stuck on, I'm like, oh, this one sounds really good. We are going to be releasing Dr. Andrew Weil today, which (laughs) will be out by the time this podcast is probably out and talked about a four, seven, eight. So, uh, you know, breathe in for four, hold for seven and breathe out for eight and that's something that I'm testing out right now and it's been beautiful. Um, so I, I constantly change it and evolve it. But if I'm just not thinking about integrating someone else's practice, I really like nose breathing. So I'll just breathe in with my nose, fill up my tongue and then just breathe out. And I find that that just really relaxes me and I don't focus on how, how long I'm going to do it for. I just kind of go until I feel like my anxiety or my stress or I just feel a little bit more grounded.
0: Amazing. And I think, I mean, sure you get asked this too, um, or told this by people, but so many of my clients are like, oh, I can't do that. I can't afford it. I'm like, you can afford to breathe. It's free. You can afford to stretch; it's free. You can afford to move your body. You can afford to meditate; it's all free. You don't need to take a course. We don't need to label it anything. Just like we don't need to label our diet. And when we remove all the labels, then it means like, yeah, you may not be doing vipassana meditation, or you may not be doing a you know Buddhist style meditation, or any other type. Like you can just call it your own thing, and just call it sitting down and being mindful, or sit down and breathe. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Love that. I think that's going to be helpful for a lot of people who think that there's a price tag attached to health in general when there's,
1: yeah. You know, most of the best things are free. They're all the lowest hanging fruits. It's hydrating. It's eating good food. Yes, you have to buy the food, but it's, it's breathing. It's going for a walk in nature. It's playing with your dog. You know, it's, it's sleeping in a little bit longer, like whatever it is for you, it's, it's all free and it's all helpful. And that's been a big part of my healing process is just slowing down mm-hmm. and, and doing things that are just more nurturing to my body and to my soul.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And with the stress management, um, is that the breathing and the meditation or, and going out for a walk in nature, or do you have a, a, other stress management tools? Like what do you do when you're super anxious and have a lot going on and deadlines and all of that?
1: I, I like to journal as well. Um, so I have a gratitude journal and I also just have my spew journal, I just like write things down and get my, my thoughts out on paper. So that's, that's something else I'll do. Um, in the moment, if there's something happening in the moment, it's something I still need to work on, like my kind of reactivity to things and getting caught up in the moment. Breath is probably the first thing I go to or just removing myself from the situation. So yeah, probably going for a walk is what I would do or go to my dog. My dog is just instant stress relief because it's like I can't be angry around her and she's just too cute, too cuddly. So
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: That's always good.
0: Yeah. No, dogs are incredible. Definitely. I, we have two, so I'd have to say a lot of work, but it's the good kind of work. It's actually the work that we need more of in our life. So that, you know, getting up and going for the walk and being outside in the rain, in the snow, in the heat and like absolutely everywhere when it's hot, you can go to the river and lake with them and expose yourself to water when it's cold. You know, you can move your body faster outside through the snow. And um, we had a lot of snow out here, just like you do as well, I imagine. And so, yeah, I think the dog is one of the healthiest. Um, have you ever had, I want to call him Pete. His name's Pete, the guy. Oh my gosh. he He's somebody you need to have on your podcast. So I'm going to definitely send you his information. I'll ask one of my staff, but he, the doctor actually prescribed him a dog.
1: Hmm.
0: Said, go get a dog. And he was overweight. He, um, his health was so poor. He had diabetes, heart disease, everything. And the, and the doc said, get a dog. And he's like, what? Are you crazy? A dog? Like That's the last thing I need. So he went and got this dog. And this dog was overweight and had all these health issues. And um, they started walking together. And over the next few months, he ended up losing something like a hundred and something pounds. And he's free of diabetes, free of heart disease. He now works for PCRM. Um, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine with Neil Bernard, for those um, who don't know what PCRM is. But what's so cool about his story is that his ex-girlfriend from high school, I think, reached out to him. And I believe she was quite overweight and unhealthy as well. So she started walking with him and his dog, and then they ended up falling in love. She got super healthy and fit. They got married. It's just like such a beautiful story. So I'll get his name because he's been featured on the PCRM website. I think he'd be um, somebody amazing to have on your podcast. We're going to try and get him on ours as well. That's amazing. Yeah, which is very cool. Um, I love all of these tools that you've given our listeners. And for everybody who's listening, I know that um, it's, it's not easy, right, to get started. And where do you think your energy came from to, I mean, I know that you say you are already studying as a nutritionist, you were already in that space, but you know, what advice do you have for people who, you know, might be exhausted because they have Hashimoto's or thyroiditis or any other disease and they don't have all of this information? Like how would you coach them or advise them to, you know, get started in trying to find those solutions?
1: Right. Well, everyone wants to feel well at the end of the day, right? You know, what's what's the way out? Do you want to keep still feeling terrible because you're too tired to go and fix things? Or do you want to be the best mom, wife, friend, teacher, whatever you're doing and show up? The challenge is a lot of people feel like it's going to take a long time. And sometimes it does. Um, people want to feel better tomorrow, me included. I get it. But you have to start slowly, and you have to find that that why and that reason that's gonna keep you going because you do want to get out of bed every day, feel energized, go to the bathroom okay, and be able to digest your food. These are all things we deserve. so I think I think it's it is about starting slowly and taking those baby steps as cliche as that sounds, but it's true, you know find the thing or the way of eating or the new recipe to try that is easy and attainable. Like what can you do today or tomorrow that works well and seems to suit you right now? I can't even tell you how many things I had heard about early in my healing that sounded great, but I was just not ready for it. I'm like, that sounds good, but I'm not willing to go and do that yet. I'm not willing to do saunas regularly or whatever it is. That just sounded like a third or fourth step. So you got to really honor where you're at and what is available to you and and try and get a support system in place too. So you have people that can be on board with you. So whether it's a partner or a friend or a parent or a child that can, that can be there and cheer you on along the way.
0: Amazing. Do you remember what your why was throughout Mm -hmm. all of
1: this? Yeah. Well, I had a few because I was an educator and I was so public about how I was, you know, already sharing my knowledge I felt like, you know, there was, there was this commitment to not only my audience, but of course, to me, first and foremost, but like to, to show that there is a different way. And especially because I had promoted the message of plant-based for so long and I could, and I was able to make a shift and show people that it's okay to make a shift for the sake of your health, not because this is something I said, um, and this is the only way it is. So I was very committed to making sure that that I was always authentic and very real with my messaging. And, you know, of course, first and foremost is that I just wanted to feel good. I wanted to be able to wake up and and feel refreshed and feel vibrant. And, you know, those are part of my daily affirmations. I want to always feel good in my skin and feel like I have the energy to do the things that I want to do every day. So being able to do that and then being able to share that through whatever I'm doing, through the podcast or my social media or the people that I'm interacting with in the community, going to do a talk. It's all got to be part of that. And I want, to, I want to live everything that I talk about.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it is one of the fears that I have. And I mean, I shouldn't, I mean, it is a fear. It's a concern. It's one of those things that I'm like, okay, I teach people how to reverse their disease. And, you know, I'm 44 years old. Uh, I, you know, work myself uh, pretty hard. Um, I love my work and I love my kids. So I'm, a, you know, a hardcore mother and a hardcore entrepreneur and you know your body can only take so much so every once in a while i'm like oh my gosh you know what happens and my fear is not that i i will get sick actually it's how the public will perceive the fact that i got sick and will they say well then that diet like for you it might be well then a paleo diet's not the way to go because she got sick or a vegetarian diet's not the way to go because she got sick or a gerson therapy obviously doesn't work because you know nicolette got sick mm-hmm. and my so it's not even that i'm going to get sick it's that they'll just completely brush it off because I hear that all the time when somebody gets cancer, when somebody gets a crime, but they're like, but they grew their own garden. And I'm like, so you're not going to grow a garden. Like you're not going to even attempt to live a healthy, robust, fulfilled nutrient dense lifestyle just because people get sick and people do get sick. And there's lots of reasons why people get sick. So um, when you did get sick, how did you communicate that to your, your followers and your listeners and your students?
1: Yeah, it started with the transition in my diet, because that was the big thing, especially because people were coming to me for cooking classes and for nutrition. That was kind of the the preliminary steps I took was showing people on Instagram that I am now cooking eggs. I am now, you know, eating chicken and fish. So it, it took, I think, through blog posts and through Instagram posts, I started to share that message. And there was a little bit of lashback. There was a little bit of disappointment and... Um, you know, people confused as to why would you do that? This is, you know, I became vegan because of you, (laughs) you know, a lot of pointing fingers. But for the most part, I actually had a lot of people who were maybe on the cusp of shifting their diet or thinking about starting to include animal protein. And they were like, wow, you just inspired me to take this next step. Or wow, congratulations to you for being so brave and so courageous for, you know, living out your truth. Those are always the messages where it's like, They really get it. They get that they're just here to support me and be part of the journey. And they're not just following me because I tell them that, you know, vegetarian is the healthiest way to eat. So it was really important to me to see that. And there was a lot of fear initially to, to disclose that to my audience. But over time, as you start to just become comfortable with yourself and really authentic, I don't even care still to this day. I know when I post chicken on my Instagram, I'll get a whole bunch of unfollowers. Like, you know, If, if that's your, if that's your thing, then, you know, (laughs) I, I can't worry about that. Yeah. But, um, with my diagnosis, um, that's been kind of more gradual process over the years as I've started to kind of share that through mostly my, my blog as well. And through Instagram. And it's brought out a whole community of people who, again, how many women have Hashimoto's and have thyroid issues? And it even prompted me and a colleague of mine over the last two years, we've, won, we've run three rounds of a course called Healing and Dealing with Hashimoto's, where it's two nutritionists who have Hashimoto's, who have figured a lot of stuff out along the way. We don't have all the answers. We don't claim to be we're going to cure your Hashimoto's. We're like, we are healing and dealing with it. Heal and deal with us. And we're going to give you a lot of stuff that we've been finding. And so we've done that a couple of times. We're probably going to do another one in the fall. And it's been really helpful and supportive even to me, like just to have other people come forward and share their story. So there's just, there is just this unbelievable community of, of women some men, but mostly women who who are dealing with this and want that support and want some handholding because they are tired of going in and out of the medical system, or they don't know which naturopath or functional medicine doctor to go to. And we're not trying to be that for those people. We help to guide them and tell them what to look for. To narrow it down, you still need to go see someone who can do that lab work. But so we're trying to be like kind of a middleman to help people find the right resources and tools to start to heal.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. And what's the name of that program called?
1: Dealing and dealing with Hashimoto's.
0: Oh, awesome. And they can find that on your website?
1: They can email me about it. And then we have a waiting list for our next one. So it's not, there's not an active registration yet, but yeah, totally. You can email me on a waiting list.
0: Awesome. So if anybody out there is dealing with Hashimoto's um, or thyroid, thyroid issues as well, or generally Hashimoto's
1: thyroid issues as well.
0: Okay. Awesome. Then you can reach out to Marnie on her podcast or on her website and get on that wait list for sure. Um, I love that you created that cause I, and I think for people who are listening, you know, you might come across somebody like Marnie or myself, um, or anybody else who has a program that they're teaching, and you expect it to be the end all be all. It's like, this is the definitive answer. When at the end, it at the end of the day, it's really just part of your healing journey and learning. And everything that you've learned, you're going to take some pieces from it, and you're going to leave other pieces. Um, and if you find that it works for you, then that's amazing. And if you find that it doesn't work for you, then that's amazing. Then you know, you actually have information, like. It's all good information. And, you know, so many people are like, well, I paid for that. Yeah, you did pay for it. But I guarantee you that once you get through your healing journey and you finally arrive at an answer that works for you, everything comes full circle and you realize that you needed that piece of information to get you where you are today or where you're going to be um, and hopefully healed, right? From whatever it is. Yeah, because p- too many people expect the yeah the end all be all for everything that they're purchasing or buying or from you know expecting you to be God and to know the answers to everything. And we are these beautiful, unique individuals. And sometimes there's going to be tweaks that need to be made um, according to our unique DNA. Um, have you ever had any DNA testing? Now that I just mentioned that,
1: I have recently got my um, uh, the Eutrients test, which does the genetic. Full panel, so I did that and yeah, made a lot of connections. I've got the MTHFR. What's that one? The um, the MTHFR, it's the one with um, how you methylate. So I'm a poor methyl, so it's very common, it's very commonly associated with Hashimoto's as well. So there's a certain kind of B12 I have to take, um, there's certain conversions that my body just won't do as efficiently, right? So yeah, it's really interesting. That there's certain, and even with B vitamins, you know, there's a certain form I have to take of, of B9 that's methylated. Um, yeah. So it's, it's interesting, but there were so many things that we found out. It was really, I love getting all this data. You can't like live by it exactly, but it's nice. Same with everything that you were just talking about. Like there is a lot of programs. There is a lot of podcasts. There is a lot of blogs. There's a lot of information you're going to get from your doctors, but you have to kind of like pull and put together the pieces that, that feel right for you and be able to kind of sift through that information.
0: Yeah, and it give you results. I mean, if it's giving you results, then continue. If it's not giving you results, fire your doctor or fire that program or just be like, you know what, tried it, been there, done that. Um, were you worried about some of the results you were going to get from your DNA? Um, um, it, did it give you really specifics around any chronic issues or?
1: Nothing, nothing that I got was a red flag, you know, in terms of like Alzheimer's or things like that. Like luckily there's a lot of things that – yeah, I could have had a bit of concern around, but they seemed to be okay. The MTHFR, I had an inkling that I was gonna have that mm-hmm. as, as low um, or not optimal, however they phrase it. And, um, but nothing else was too alarming. A lot of things kind of just connected the dots and made sense for me.
0: Awesome, and what was the name of that test? You called it? Uh,
1: nutrients. So I know there's the, the 23andMe, which is like the most common one. Nutrients, yeah. is another, another one that's very comprehensive.
0: Awesome. And I just did the DNA power, a friend of mine, she runs that company. And so, um, so I did that test. And of course, again, you use the information because it's data, you're collecting data on yourself. So you better understand yourself. And mine, of course, came back and I knew it would, that I don't process, process caffeine very well. And, and
1: another one. Yeah.
0: And the problem is I'm like, damn, because I don't drink pop. I don't, you know, obviously, but you know, the odd coffee, definitely I would have like a small cup of coffee every day. And, you know, and I knew it was going to come back as that. Cause I've always been saying, you know what, Nikki, you don't even like coffee. Like why do you drink coffee? But it was really a habit. And then when I got that DNA test, I was like, of course, like that completely makes sense. And it also, just like you said, it kind of verifies your intuition about yourself. You actually know a lot of these answers, would you say?
1: True, yeah. So you were a slow metabolizer.
0: Yeah, for caffeine, yeah. So a
1: little, a little bit of caffeine goes a long way for you.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Like there's a matcha, right yeah. now, matcha latte. Like, And matcha is probably the most caffeine that I can do. I can't drink coffee. I've never liked it. Right. Um, so matcha is pretty much all I can handle. A little bit goes a long way, but I do, I do love it
0: amazing okay i love that so people are listening we'll put some links in the show notes there um to different dna testing that you can get in as well it's not the end all be all it's there for information to help guide you and just to try different things like if you're sensitive to b12 um i know a lot of people cannot take cyanocobalamin um they have to take methylcobalamin is what type do you take can i ask
1: it's a It's adenosyl hydroxy, it's a very rare form, and I would not have known anything about that if if the geneticist who we spoke to on the phone, we did a consultation, said that this is the form you have to take, so.
0: Oh wow, that's amazing, I did not even know that. I thought there was three different types of B12, and very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so before we wrap up here, um, is there any information that you want to share with the world about the work that you're doing? Do you have any projects that are up next? Like I know you're running this podcast and um, is, and that's full time for you.
1: That's pretty much full time. I kind of dabble in some other online projects through my Instagram as well. I'm always kind of launching some different little things. So something I did over the last year or so is a green free ebook, which is all of it's, it's grain-free recipes, dessert recipes mostly, and elixirs as well. So a little side project of mine that was really fun just to get out to the world because as I've transitioned to eating grain-free over the years, I've been getting a lot of questions. How do you change this over? How do you make healthy muffins and cakes and desserts? So I thought putting together a little resource for my audience was was a good thing and it was. So it's just It's available on my website, very simple, very easy, and a nice little introduction to going grain-free and making some delicious treats. Um, Other than that, I plan on hopefully over the next year doing some stuff for the podcast too and hopefully developing some products, whether in physical or digital form. So always having fun, just learning new things, and I'm always creating new recipes, so my Instagram is very active.
0: That is awesome. You have a great Instagram account. I love it. Um, So we'll put that in the show notes as well. And so people can download your grain-free, is it cookbook? You say book or ebook?
1: It's an ebook. Yeah. They can get that right on my website, marniwassman.com. And I also have a link as well on my Instagram too, at
0: Marnie Wassman. So definitely. Great. And if people want to contact you, where do they go? What's the best way?
1: MarniWassman.com, because from there you can get to my podcast, you can get to uh, my Instagram, my blog, all the resources are all there.
0: That's incredible. And one of the questions just before um, we wrap things up, because I imagine you have a busy day as well, is... do you do this all on your own? Because a lot of people I know ask me and they're like, how do you do it all? And I'm like, well, I have a team that does it, but how about you? Like, do you have a team that helps you and supports you on the podcast side and the Instagram side and, and putting together recipes or is it just you? Uh,
1: we have a very small team for the podcast. So we have an assistant who helps us with some of the day-to-day stuff and our newsletter and managing different tasks. And we have an editor who does the technical side of our podcast, but otherwise all the stuff that I do for for me is, is all me. So yeah, at this point, you know, I've gone through waves of having different staff, especially when I had my physical business. But now at this point, especially right now where I'm kind of keeping things still a little bit low key, I'm not trying to, you know, go too overboard. I am able to manage what I, what I have on my plate.
0: That is incredible. I love your journey and I love everything about from you know, understanding your symptoms to um, firing your doctor and going out there and doing what you had to do, literally what you had to do to get your diagnosis. I think that's a really powerful part of this show. Thank you for sharing that with everybody. Um, And yeah, just for providing people with so much beautiful content as well because we get asked for recipes all the time and I'm not a chef, I kind of wish I was. Um, So I refer people to other people's cookbooks. Um, Um, So I have so much gratitude for you taking the time to do that because, um, I mean, I love cooking, but I don't cook with recipes. And so I just expect everybody to not cook with recipes. But I I get that some people really need to know, like, it's two tablespoons of this and one cup of that. Um, So yeah, thank you for doing that work that you do in the world. It's amazing.
1: My pleasure. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks so much for being on the show. And I hope we get to connect again in the very near future. Thank you so much for having me. So, how did you enjoy that show with Marnie? Please check out her website at marniewasserman.com. That's M A R N I W A S S E R M A N. Dot com, check out our Ultimate Health Podcast. Listen to all of the podcasts that we have up to date and let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. We also want to hear your healing hero stories as well. So if you have made a lifestyle change and it could be through food or meditation or yoga or exercise or leaving a bad relationship or quitting a job that you just couldn't tolerate anymore. It doesn't matter what it is. We know that you can heal in multiple different ways. So we want to know about your healing hero story and fill out our form online on our website, share your story. We would love to have you on the show and to share your story with others because this is what gives others the power and the motivation and the inspiration to make changes in their life as well we are an oral society stories have been used for thousands and thousands of years to transfer knowledge down from one generation to the next and we're just using the technology the art and science of the podcast to be able to continue that oral history and tradition of sharing information that will benefit humanity and that can benefit someone in this world right now please don't be discouraged from sharing your stories Um, we want to know and we can let other people decipher you know does what you did to heal yourself will it work for them we don't know not until they give it a shot give it a try at the end of the day that's all we can do is try because Sometimes when we've hit rock bottom where we've tried everything, I've had so many clients that have spent 20,000 US dollars, $90,000 trying to get to the bottom of their chronic health issue. Pharmaceutical meds are not cheap even if you have an extended health care plan. And so it's always important and almost necessary to look at multiple different ways of healing yourself. In our online course, we talk about building a whole health team and the power that you can develop around you by knowing that there's multiple different types of practitioners out there. Everybody from a chiropractor to a physio to acupuncture to an endocrinologist, someone who looks at your hormones, uh, a neuroscientist, somebody who uh, might even look at your genes. There are so many different types of practitioners. There are herbologists. There are nutritionists. There's orthomolecular practitioners like myself. There are massage therapists. I cannot tell you how many people I meet who've never gone to a massage therapist to even look, have their bodies looked at from a muscular system or a skeletal system. So know that our body is one complete whole and we need to look at all aspects of our body from the food that we put into our body. Um, Perhaps you need a toxicologist, somebody who understands the environment that you live in. If you're being exposed to several toxins via your work or your home um, we are going to have this beautiful man on our podcast named Tim Yandao who healed himself um from non-hodgkin's lymphoma his daughter healed herself of a cavernous angioma he's a biologist a scientist and he knows the effects that toxins in our environment have on our health and he'll be sharing that information with that with us but a lot of people don't know that they need to consider those things as well when they're trying to heal themselves from a chronic degenerative disease so build out your whole health team learn how to do that We teach you how to do that through our online course. We also teach you how to do that in our book, Eat Real to Heal. So get a copy of that. And like I mentioned earlier, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other people. Listen to it again. Take notes. And don't be afraid to try some some of the tools and the resources that you've learned about in this podcast with Marnie or any other of the guests that we've had on the show. So thanks so much for being with us. I can't wait to connect with you again in our next show. In the meantime, eat well, eat clean, and be well. Bye-bye.